0: I'm so sorry. I missed y'all last night. How'd it go?
1: Good? Great. Yeah?
0: Yeah. Yeah. How's the morning going? Good. Everybody enjoying it? Yeah? All right. Good. Hi, Karen. I love you. Hi, Karen. Hi. <laughs> um, my name's Kara Brown, and I am going to talk about tough relationships. So fun. <laughs> How'd I get this topic, you might ask? I'm really good at tough relationships. Actually, I don't have any. Every relationship in my life is amazing and there's no hard one. So uh-uh. <laughs> false. <laughs> Obviously that is not true. That is not true. So I want to open up with a quick word of prayer and then we'll get started. Mm-hmm. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for this opportunity. This opportunity to take a deep breath. Mm-hmm. Allow our souls to be refreshed. Allow some of those hidden dark things to surface to the top so that we can hand them over to you and lay them at the foot of the cross. I pray that um, the words spoken to this group of women would be your heart for them. And if I get in the way, that those words would just fall to the the ground. Just give you this time, Lord, and um, ask for your direction and your presence in this time together amen Amen. okay so obviously if you're here you maybe have been in a tough relationship at one point in your life or maybe you are currently in a tough relationship and I just want to say you are not alone right Amen? amen so everybody who has had a tough relationship in their life or is in one currently go ahead and raise your hand no Okay, awesome, because if there's anyone who didn't raise their hand, that I would love for you to come teach this. And I will sit down and take notes like a mad woman. Tough relationships started at the beginning of time. So when we look at Genesis, um, Adam and Eve, everything's going great. We're in relationship with God, like no clothes, which whew, freaks me out. But anyway, like eating, drinking, being married it's fantastical. And just that one tree is off limits. Stay away from that one, and then we're good. Serpent comes, deceives Eve, takes it by offers to Adam, and then God comes back, and they're hiding. And, okay, so this is a pretty basic like Bible story that we're all fairly fairly familiar with. Um, I would imagine that that broke his heart. Like as a de- as a parent, the fatherhood of God watching his children choose to not be in right relationship with him. And, and not really knowing that's what they were choosing. I don't think they were like, we can't wait to be on the outside with God. Like, ah, you know, and eat up. Oh, pumpkin, it's all right. It's all right. Do you need extra arms? I can teach and sway, too. So. Um, and so I think it's important for us to realize, know, and acknowledge that tough relationships are part of life. Conflict is part of life. And when I personally think about relationships, the ones that I cherish the most are the hard ones. The ones that i fought for. The ones that I lay down my life for my my sister, for my girl, for my husband, for my children. Those ones where I'm constantly trying to learn more about myself and learn more about them and how to connect and how to have healthy relationships. But that doesn't mean there's the absence of conflict, right? So here's what I want to know. When you hear the word conflict, what do you guys think? Like, what comes to mind? Just like one word or a sentence. Like, I say conflict, and you um, say problem. 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 What else? Pain. Run away. <laughs> I hear and I say opportunity. Sorry. <laughs> 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 all right, it's all right. I love you, Kim. I love you. Anxiety. <laughs> um, what else for conflict? Hurt. Hurt. Tension. What what? Work. Work. <laughs> yeah. Fear. So which one? Fear. Fear. Oh, yes. Amen. So those are the words that come to mind with conflict. And they're valid and true and they're right. And I think that it's probably just me, but I'm going to take a wild guess that maybe one or two people can relate to me on this. What I do when I'm starting to experience conflict is I go back to that passage in Romans that talks about, As far as it depends on you, be at peace with everyone. And so then what happens is I go to this real dark, ugly place of what the heck is wrong with me? Like, I love Jesus, and he's on the throne. And so I should not have conflict. I should not be in conflict with anyone, because it says not to. And then the other passage, it talks about, like, don't let the sun go down on your anger. And I'm like, oh, Lord, I would never sleep, you guys. I would literally (laughs) never sleep if I waited for the sun to go down before I stopped being angry. I would just be awake all the time and then probably fall over. And Bye, Kara. That's it. Right? I'm sure it's just me, though. I'm sorry. This is just me. Um, Those passages and those verses cause such anxiety in my heart when I start to experience conflict with someone. Mm-hmm. Because then I feel like I'm failing my dad. I feel like I'm letting God down. I feel like I'm letting my sisters and my brothers and Christ down. And I just, I crumble. I crumble with conflict. So it's crazy that I'm talking about it today because it just, it's scary. And it's hard. And it's lonely. And it's painful. And I just want to acknowledge that right now. It's like. I am so sorry for the hurt that you have in your life because of conflict. I'm so sorry for the losses that you've experienced because of conflict. I am so sorry for the nights when you've cried yourself to sleep because it hurts so bad, and you just want it to stop, but you don't have a way out. Because maybe that conflict is with a spouse Or maybe that conflict is with a coworker, or maybe that conflict is with your in-laws. And anybody who says when you get married you don't marry your in-laws is a crazy liar, pants. (laughs) (laughs) And for some people that is a beautiful thing, and for some people that is so hard. And I am not here to to just. I'm not here to say this is how you do it. It's going to be super duper easy. And if you just do A and B and maybe Z once in a while, like you're going to be conflict-free. Um, there is a promise that Jesus gives us in the Bible. And he says, in this life, you will have trials and tribulations of many kinds. And it also says that he won't leave us, and he'll always be with us. So what I want to do today with you, lovely ladies, is kind of unpack what that looks like, what it looks like to have that conflict and still be okay with Jesus, and still be okay with you. That you're not failing God, and you're not failing the people around you because you have conflict. Conflict is just a regular part of life. Right? Amen? Amen. So, when we look at that passage that that I typically go to, I'm going to read it really quick, so if there's anybody who... If any of you were, like, solid note-takers and really wanted a handout... I'm sorry. <laughs> I, don't, I don't plan ahead that far in advance. Like, they needed the handouts like two weeks ago. I was like, hmm, nope. <laughs> it's not your girl. <laughs> so anyways. <laughs> so the verse, um, so I'm in Romans chapter 12. And it's 18. It's the, is the Romans 12:18. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. What I forget a lot is that very first part that says, if it is possible. So in this book, Paul is actually acknowledging that sometimes, what? It's not possible. It's not possible. But I never registered that. I always was like, live at peace with everyone, all the time. And so the, pa- the, the possibility of it not happening wasn't really on my radar. And... That was really important for me to actually read the entire entire thing. Now, if we take another step back and we look at that whole chapter, Romans chapter 12. Okay, let me check on time real quick. We're doing great. Okay. So if we're looking at, if, if we start at 1, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read for a while. I'm going to read 21 verses. Y'all ready for this? Okay, here we go. Starting at 12.1. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, In view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the measure of faith God has given you. Just as each of us has one body with with many members, and these members do not have all the same function, so in Christ we who are many form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts according to the grace given us. If a man's gift is prophesying, or a woman's gift is prophesying, let him or her use that in proportion to their faith, If it is serving, let them serve. If if it is teaching, let them teach. If it is encouraging, let them encourage. If it is contributing to the needs of others, let them give generously. If it is leadership, let them govern diligently. If it is showing mercy, let them do it cheerfully. Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Honor one another above yourselves. Never be lacking in zeal, but keeping in spiritual fervor, serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope. patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Share with God's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. Do not be conceited. Do not repay evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everybody. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Do not take revenge, my friends, but leave room for God's wrath, for it is written, it is mine to avenge, I will repay, says the Lord. On the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed them. Thirsty, give them something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals on their head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. So I don't know about you, but for me, when I look at that, It sounds like a lot of things i got to do and a lot of things i got to figure out and I need to be perfect at all of them because I love Jesus. And that is super overwhelming. And I would just encourage us to take a deep breath and see that his heart, Paul's heart in this, is that we would offer our bodies as living sacrifices to God. Not that we would do it perfectly. He's just giving us tools so that we can... Try to figure out how to live a life that's honoring and pleasing to God. He's not telling us, if you don't do this, then you're out. He's not telling us, if you do this, you fail, and you're not getting into heaven. He's just giving us a ton of information. I mean, Romans is, wow, it's just overwhelming. It's a very overwhelming book. I mean, Paul is bringing it, and he is laying out everything about everything and doing it in just this one book. And He's really, truly building a case, and he's trying to give people tools. He's trying to give you tools in your tool belt of how to do this. And so when I look at it in context, it's so much easier for me to wrap my head around than only looking at that one verse that says, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Does that make sense? Like, I think sometimes we get into that, I don't don't know when it happens or how it happens, but we just focus on this one verse, and then somehow it speaks failure over us. And... I just want to remind you all that this <laughs> Bible I got when I was like, I don't know, fifth grade or something, that's, like falling apart in chunks. <laughs> um, and uh, I asked for a new Bible for Christmas, and my husband got me one, and I don't like it. I don't use it. <laughs> and I asked for it, and he got it, and it's great. But I like this one that's all beat it up. Beaded up. Uh-oh. <laughs> um, this is his love letter to you. This is his love letter. He desires deep, true, authentic intimacy with you. And this, the Old Testament, I used to get really bored with the Old Testament, but, like, I love it now because it's story after story of God pursuing who he loves. It's story after story of his his redemption and his desire to live in intimate relationship with his children. And then you get to the New Testament, and, I mean, that it's it's amazing how much he loves us, like that he sent his son to die on the cross, to for us. So when I think about tough relationships, um, hello, that's God with all of us, right? <laughs> like I have a hard enough time parenting my four children whoa, God, you are amazing. (laughs) Because I know I'm a handful, and I'm guessing y'all got your own stuff, too. And he's up there desiring intimate relationship with each of us. And he wants to have healthy, intimate relationship with each of us. And he loves us so much that he's going to call us on our stuff when we need to be called on it. And he loves us so much that when we screw up, he's not going to stand over us and point his finger down at us telling how we messed up and how we're not good enough. He's going to scoop us up in his hands and say, sweet baby girl, I love you. I am so proud of you for trying your hardest. You are trying your hardest, and I love you, and I'm so proud of you. That's what he says. He's not a condemning, finger-pointing, demanding dad. He loves you, and he sees your pain. There's a verse in Psalms, Proverbs, uh one of those two, and it talks about, God collecting our tears in a jar, and if you've heard me speak before, you've probably heard me talk about this because I am so passionate about the idea and the concept of God literally being that close to me. So, like, I'm gonna pick on you. So, if she's got tears coming down, which she does right now, this is probably how close God has to be to catch him. Like, he has to be that close to catch him. If you really think about that verse, like how close he has to be to us to catch those tears, like that's how much he loves you and he values you his baby girl, he adores you, he delights in you and I'm again sure I'm the only one but when I experience conflict it just hurts and it's so hard and when it's with people that I love it hurts even more quite honestly if somebody doesn't like me whatever, you're lost peace out (laughs) <laughs> I don't know but um, when you're somebody that I love it's so hard or if you're somebody that I want love from also very hard um, I am just, I seriously am so uh, humbled that I get to talk about this because I feel like feel like for me personally with conflict, um, my raw spot is rejection. So just to tell you a little bit about my story, but we all have a raw spot. We all have this spot that if anyone just barely touches it, we crumble. And so for me, it's rejection. And that comes from my dad choosing his mistress over our family um, when I was 10. So I... I remember it. I can tell you where I was, what I was doing. I was holding my little sister. Parents were out arguing. And, and literally him saying, like, you can't make me choose between her and you and the girls. My sister is 10 years younger than I. Um, and my mom's like, yeah, yeah I can because I'm your wife. So actually, you need to decide. And he said, no, I won't choose. And then she was like, well, you made your decision. So for me, rejection is my raw spot and it is tender, and I so desire to be accepted. Like, I so desire to be accepted. So I thought, for me, growing up, if I just did everything right and perfect, that that would happen, that somehow my acceptance would come through that. Um, Being, like, fun, outgoing, life at the party, like, ASP sports, like I just kind of poured myself into all those things and thought if I keep doing those things well, then people will keep liking me and not reject me um, and then I, and then I got to college and I mean, I don't know about you guys, but the twenties, man, whoo, those things will mess you up. <laughs> the twenties they are they are tough. So you're trying to figure out who you are and what I don't know it's just man. And every time I talk to somebody in their 20s, I'm like, honey, it's okay, you're not alone. It will get better, I promise, and you're totally normal for crying and feeling like a crazy person all the time. <laughs> um, I started to realize that I would avoid and run from conflict, like a cra- like literally like opposite as far as I could. And I had, to, I had to face and deal with, why do I do that? Like, what's the deal? Why am I so hungry for acceptance? Why am I so hungry for that affirmation that that I need to know, like, I'm, I'm good enough that you'll stay. Like, that I'm good enough that you'll choose me. Like, I just want to be chosen. And God has been so gentle and so kind in teaching me how to be a daughter and teaching me how to own the fact that I'm his and that he is part of me and he does love me and that conflict is part of life. And so then I kind of went to this other extreme. <laughs> Not where I was, like, looking for conflict, but when it came up, I was like, oh, let's talk about it right now. Like, let's do it. <laughs> and then what happened was I went, like, from over here, like, running, no, conflict. And then I went to this total other extreme of of just, like, well, we have to talk about it. We have to talk about it now. And we have to fix it. And we have to be at peace. And it's going to be great. In Jesus' name, amen. <laughs> and, like, that's what it was. So then I couldn't. That's not healthy either, right? <laughs> and especially if somebody else's raw spot is somebody being in their face, demanding that we work it out. And here and I, I am, be. in my friend's face, saying, like, we have to talk about this. Like, We can't let the sun, the sun go down. It can't set. We're angry. Like, And she's just like, oh my, Lanta, back out, trout. <laughs> like, I need some space. But for me, because I need your acceptance and I need your approval, I can't let it go. I can't let it go. And so then I've, got, I've gone to that other extreme where I've ended up really hurting people because I can't, I can't let it set because ha- we have to fix it now. And I think there is a healthy in-between. <laughs> I'm not there. I'm trying really hard to find it <laughs> so we can, like, do this together because <laughs> I definitely don't, don't have it figured out. I do believe within me, though, that there is this balance of desiring peace with people and knowing that our peace with God surpasses that. So I feel like it's really important. Um, last year or two years ago, I don't know, Jessica, when, when did Jeff and I come do that panel thing or something? Last year. So we talked to the college group um, about relationships and marriage and, oh man, it's fun. He's a who that kid. He can not only sing and play guitar, but he's also very funny and a good speaker. So we had a good time with that, but there was this question that kept coming up, and Jessica had warned us ahead of time, and then when we got in there, it was the one that, like, kept coming up. How do I get ready for marriage? What do I need to do to get ready for marriage? And I love that, that Jeff answered that because he said uh, – the goal is not to prepare yourself for a wedding. The goal is to be healthy and to be whole and to know who you are in Christ. If you're constantly preparing for something that's coming up ahead, which preparation is valid, just in this context, follow me out. Follow, follow me on this. So if you're always thinking about, like, what do I do to get ready for marriage? What do I do to get ready for marriage? What do I do to get ready for marriage? What do I do to be in right relationship with my dad? What do I do to know and own my belovedness and that my dad in heaven desire the relationship with me, that I'm his, that there's nothing I can do to make him love me more or no, and nothing I can do to make him love me less. So it's about us being solid here before here. So when we, so when we come into that conflict, we know who we are. Because for me, when I get in conflict, I want to be affirmed that I'm a good friend and I, I'm a good daughter-in-law and I'm a good daughter and I'm a good mom and all these things like I I need that affirmation to know that like I'm okay and and (laughs) but really if I'm okay here then even when this goes to pot I'm okay it still hurts it's still painful it's horrible oh my word conflict can bring out the ugliest in everyone us, too, right? Mm -hmm. So, like, if I know that I'm his daughter and I know that he loves me and I know that there are things that I need to own and there are some things that I need to work on, if my identity is not wrapped up in what everyone thinks of me or what everyone, you know, them feeding my kudos that I need because I have daddy issues and, you know what I mean, did that make sense? Are they checking on that part? Like, it starts here and then here. And just because we have, good, like, relationship with him doesn't mean this is going to be perfect. It just means he goes with us. He's never going to leave you. He's never going to forsake you. And not to sound like a broken record, but he's never going to leave you, and he's never going to forsake you. So even when you're in those conflicts, even when it's somebody else who loves Jesus just as much as you do, you love Jesus, and they love Jesus, and yet they can't love each other, he's still there. He's still in it. Nothing wrong with you. You're not failing. You're just human. I'm just human. So I'm going to mess up again and again and again. And, and I really, truly believe with everything in me, when, when we said to those college students, like, actually, you, just, you need to pursue God. And you need to know who you are. You need to not be set on this, like, prepare for marriage, prepare for marriage. You just You own who you are in him and then start thinking about the other stuff and that, that brings me to the next point of awareness I think that a lot of times like for me I'm very aware of my raw spot I know it I've gone to counseling for it I've done listening prayer I've journaled, I've read books like I know that that is my like my raw spot and I will always come back to that I also have learned a lot more about myself as I've experienced more conflict, right? So I tell my kids, you learn a lot more when you lose a game than when you win a game, right? I've learned so much from the friends that I've lost. I've learned about so much from watching my parents divorce. I've learned so much from watching people that I love just shred each other with their words. Scripture is very clear. The tongue has the power of life and death. And I watch people speak death over each other. And I watch people speak death over themselves. I do it sometimes too. And we need to knock that off, ladies. Like we need to use our tongues to speak life over people, including ourselves. Not everybody else is great and wonderful, and I totally suck all the time. Not that. We can speak life over others and ourselves as well. And my awareness and my knowledge of who I am and how I respond to conflict and how I respond to just really hard relationships that there's no way out of. There are some friendships where when it gets really hard, you can both be like, okay, let's agree to disagree, and we're out. And then there's some that the ring ties you to, right? So at least for me, like, I know Jeff's not going anywhere, and who knows I'm not going anywhere. But we still have to work on our stuff. And we have to choose each other over and over and over again. And it's hard. And it's totally worth it. And if I only live in this place of I'm never going to have conflict, everything's going to be fine all the time because I love Jesus and you love Jesus, but I have no awareness of myself and how I respond to conflict or or what my raw spots are or what my tendencies are, then I'm going to stink at conflict, always and forever. So, not only having a healthy relationship with him and knowing who we are with him, I think a lot of it has to, has to be with a healthy relationship with ourselves and being aware of ourselves. So, I know, I know my big raw spot. Jeff has been so gracious and kind to me. And he's like, Kara, anytime somebody tries to correct you, you go to the opposite extreme, and you go hardcore and fast. Mm-hmm. And so, back in my college days, I had somebody say, you're, you're, you're just an inconvenience. Like, you're always asking for things from people. Like, you just, like, I mean, it, oh, my word, it ruined me for, like, a couple weeks. But, anyways, so, so those words were spoken over me. And then I just was kind of like, well, okay. Then, And so then a week later, like, hey, I don't, I don't hear from you. I don't, so I'm like, yeah, but I'm overwhelming and I'm an inconvenience. So I'm like, I'm not going to, like, be, like, hey, how's it going? Like, I don't know how to do that. I just go from one extreme to the next. So that's been part of my self-awareness journey is learning like how I respond to those things and learning, okay, when I get into a conversation where somebody's correcting me, that doesn't mean that they hate my guts and I need to do the exact opposite and run the exact, like run the opposite way. It means, okay, Holy Spirit, whatever is true from that, let it speak to my heart. And whatever the lies are, let it fall. And being willing to own our stuff. Because it takes two. And we all have stuff. Right? I mean, I don't know. Probably just me. But I have a dear friend that if you ever want some really good stories about college from, um, you can ask Gabra. She um, and I were roommates and sweetmates and floor mates and in each other's weddings and all that good stuff. And her and her husband just moved up here last year um, from California. And they are teaching... Um, junior high over in McMinnville, and I thought instead of you guys listening to me and my stories over and over and over again, you might want somebody new. (laughs) So um, Gabber is going to come up, and I'm just going to ask her a couple questions about her journey and her awareness and her relationship. Mm Does that sound good? Mm Mm-hmm. All right. Gabber, tell me a little bit about your relationship with your dad.
1: Growing up, it was awful. Um, He was I think kind of just thinking about it after you asked these questions of me, I was thinking he, to sum it up, he was not the kind of man that I would want to marry. Like as a Mm, uh little girl, like you always hear these things of like, I want to marry someone just like my dad. And I thought, are you crazy? Like, that's (laughs) horrible. Like, why would I want to do that? And I I mean, he was, I mean, he tells me now, like at the time, like he was an alcoholic and that's been a disease that he's had for his life. And, um, he was kind of scary to me. And, um, it just it I had a lot of anxiety, I think now, kind of looking back at it, like I was very uncertain about what he would be like, what mood he would be in. He'd fly off the handle very quickly and easily, and he would just be kind of embarrassing in that way like i I never saw him, you know, as you know in the alcoholic sort of state, which I appreciate. but um, uh, my parents divorced when we were in the fourth, my brother and I were in the fourth grade, and so it was just this constant like are we going over to Dad's? What's it going to be like? I had to protect my little brother. I felt like he was not an abusive father in in you know that kind of sense, but it was just that anxiety and that um, just kind of scary feeling that I had growing up. And I think as you were talking about it, I thought about like that makes sense why I seek relationships or seek situations that are stable and mm-hmm. I have control over because I didn't at at that age, kind of growing up, and, um, so,
0: so then tell us about what it looked like as you started to realize, okay, that was my childhood, now I'm adult, now I'm married, trying to figure out, like, what you saw when you looked back.
1: Yeah, my, my dad, thankfully, has, um, I mean, he's been almost 30 years sober, which is, Weehee! blessing, oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. 29 years in January. So <laughs> so. um, but he, he was always, like, the life of the party, and everyone thought, your dad is so cool. And I mm-hmm. thought, well, yeah, when you guys are all around, mm-hmm. he is. He's awesome. Mm-hmm. But I don't get to see this dad unless anybody else is around. And mm-hmm. it takes so much energy for him to do that fun, cool dad thing. And then when we're just with him, it's, like, mm-hmm. angry frustrated he used all of his energy for everybody else and now we get this dad so Mm -hmm. um, I think in talking with my dad over the years and talking with my mom and my husband kind of processing with me as well um, I think it was there was a time when I I kind of finally took control over like you're not going to treat me like this anymore Mm -hmm. and I I had to have been in like junior high um, and he was just very embarrassing and I just finally said enough I'm done I don't want to hear from you anymore. I don't want. I don't want your stupid flowers. Like, don't apologize by sending me flowers and trying to call and whatever. And then you just keep doing this thing over and over again. And I finally just stood up for myself and said, No, I'm done. Mm-hmm. I'm. I, I'm not gonna ha- have this anymore. And my mom, I talked to my mom kind of recently about this, and I was like, Well, what did you do? How did that happen? What happened with this? And she just basically said he, he did kind of make a change and really saw that like, Oh, I can't keep doing this. And it was when you finally stood up for hmm. yourself and. As an adult, now that I'm processing mm-hmm. this, I thought, oh, well, that makes sense, I guess. And I can see different parts of my life in, in my relationship with him where I was able to stand up and say, no, I'm not okay with this. You cannot say these things to me. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, I mean, I'm saying it mm-hmm. probably really nicely now, but at the time it probably <laughs> did not come off really great. But, um, it, you know, I've had a lot more maturity now thinking about it at the time um, I don't know that I would have the right words to put together with this, but um, he's. Yeah, it was. It's been a, it's been a long process, but I think we've had some time to to be able to mend and kind of change. Um,
0: I guess what our relationship looks like. So when you tell us a little bit about what it looked like for the awareness of you, so noticing and seeing okay these are the behaviors these how they're impacting me but then was there anything on your end to own was there anything obviously you weren't drinking and you weren't the parent you were the child I mean but as you as you got older were there things that you that came up for you for you about you
1: yeah when you first
0: said that (laughs) the way that you phrased it I was like
1: kid so <laughs> nope probably okay <laughs> yeah. um, but I mean I think at the time I, like I wish I had had a, a, the relationship that I have with God now I wish I had had that then to be able to say certain things but I think at that time I just knew I can't control my dad mm-hmm. and I have to do what I can do um, and I think my, my ownership of that is um, even now in my relationship with him and my relationship with other people is I can I can control who I am and how I react to these things mm-hmm. um, and also where my value is because I think growing up and we've had this conversation mm-hmm. with our dads and sports and you know <laughs> there was a lot of value that I had, had in that relationship with when I do really well playing softball he yep. really likes that and mm-hmm. he really likes me and when I do really bad it's not just this like oh man that's horrible but. It's horrible because this is going to affect my relationship with my dad, and I think I was able to realize like my value doesn't come from him, and I want that so badly. Yeah, if you want it. And, um, yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and as you're saying those things, I'm, sitting there, I'm like, yes, let me write this down. <laughs> uh, you know, it's just I want that affirmation, and I, I was seeking that, but I, I think for me, my my realization was seeking that from the wrong place because he will constantly fail me. And people will constantly fail me, and I'll constantly fail them. And my relationship with God is what, where I need to find my value. And I think that's what I needed to own was I can control me, and I can control how I react to things, but also that my
0: value is not placed in other people and that it's placed in God. Amen. Um, what's your relationship like with Tony the Tiger now? Our dad's name is Tony, and when we were in college, I thought it was awesome that I had a friend's dad that was named Tony, and I just was like Tony the Tiger. And so I would always, and he's a little Kara, crazy Kara. But what's funny it
1: is that my dad and Kara are kind of the same people,
0: um, and, and
1: they're
0: like. Life
1: nice alcoholics. Right? right? Yeah. I I no. no, no. Wear her for in the record. For the record. <laughs> like now first and then, <laughs> yeah. then he's he's the kind of man now that I wish I had had growing up all mm-hmm. all the time and I you know I've told him that before and I I've told my husband I'm like you know I told uh, you know lots of people that I could that that's the kind of man that I want to marry but I'm already married so you know, <laughs> it's just one of those like and the man you married husband. is that he's, he's he's amazing stable he's mm-hmm. consistent. Um, In in college, I didn't understand this at the time, and it took me a while, but he was like, I'm not going anywhere. I was like, okay, that's great. That sounds fabulous. Thanks. Appreciate that. And he kept saying it, and I was like, why is he saying this? And then one day I was like, oh, like, you're not my dad. Mm -hmm. You're not going anywhere it And it was just this like, oh my gosh! Like God, thank you. And he's my dad is amazing. Like he loves the Lord. He's like I said, he's been 29 years sober mm-hmm. as of January, and Me he is more a man of God than I ever knew was possible. And he has just been transformed. And he like so much so that my husband and I're like, you need to come up in here and you need to live by us. And we like you're probably the only family member that we could live by. Or, like, live on the same like it's just so weird. And like we have these amazing conversations and we've had healing conversations about. Our relationship, and like, this is how you made me feel, and this is what was difficult about that, and he's had his part of it, and saying, this is what I wish I would have done, and this is how I wish I would have been, and there's definitely still some of that in there, where mm-hmm. it's like, oh, I can see that, but you pulled that back really quickly, and you were able to regain your frustration, and put it somewhere else, and I, like, it's just been awesome and so in that way like the fun awesomeness that Kara
0: is <laughs> that is my dad and
1: I'm excited because I get to enjoy that and then hopefully someday
0: that can be together and it'll be crazy oh yeah I can't wait till Tony comes back I'm so excited um thank you so much yeah. friend thank you so much um the main reason I asked Gabra to share is because for me when I'm looking back at some of those really hard <laughs> conflicts in my life Uh, they're not resolved. (laughs) They're still, like, loose and open and painful. Um, The ones that are in my life that I know, like, those people will still stay in my life. Those ones are painful and hard. And then the ones where the friendships ended or, like, we don't talk or see each other or whatever, like, that's hard. But obviously to honor them, not to share that. And so I just, I felt like Gabbro was a great example of of what it means to experience that conflict when you're in a situation where you have no control over it. And I think a lot of times that's what happens. She doesn't have control over her other child. And yet it impacts her every day of her adult life. And I think that a lot of times when we think about this conflict stuff and we go to like how we handle it and how we respond to it, a lot of it actually comes from like family of origin, like when we were kids. And it's not like a blame the parents kind of game. like my dad he does some really amazing wonderful things about my dad that I love um and so it's not like a you ruined me I am messed up because of you no it really truly is like okay I'm responsible for myself I'm an adult now like I got I gotta get some. you know I gotta get some resources I gotta get some help counseling ladies counseling helps it really does there used to be this really negative stigma about, like, hi, Lauren. You're so cute. Um, <laughs> just so cute. Um, there's, 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 there's this, like, if you have Jesus, you don't need a counselor. For the record, that is goal. <laughs> right? right? You can have Jesus and a counselor. It's so great. I am a healthier wife. I am a healthier mother. I am a healthier friend because I go and do the hard work. And I'm not like, hey, yay me. But honestly, whether it's a counselor or whether it's a spiritual director or whatever, like for us to work on ourselves and become more aware of our stuff so that then we're a healthier version of ourselves, like amen. Like that's why Salem Alliance is such a wonderful church body, I'm so honored and blessed and privileged to be a part of St. Lawrence. We are not perfect. And we are not afraid to go to the hard dark places and do the dirty work to see redemption. One of my dear friends um, talks about if you want to see Lazarus miracles, you have to go to the tomb. So if you want to see him raised from the dead, you need to get back to that tomb. And sometimes we camp out at the tomb and it sucks and it's dark and it's lonely and it's horrible and we cry and it's not all over and we just keep waiting. But there's something beautiful about when your friend comes and sits next to you. There's something beautiful about when you have somebody that will go to those places. And maybe it's a friend and maybe it's a counselor and maybe it's a spiritual director or whatever. But if you want to see those kind of miracles, you've got to go to those dark places. You've got to do the hard work. And I love that Salem Alliance is a place that's, like, not afraid of that. Like, we have all the steps. No, it's called Life Path now. Sorry. Um, We have Life Path. And um, we have Bible studies. And we have Salem Pastoral Counseling Center that we'll send people to. And we do recognizing God's voice and listening prayer and learning. I mean, honestly, this is, you guys, and not just because my husband works here, but we moved our family here for Salem Alliance. Like, we love this church body, and she is not perfect by any stretch, but I love that she gives us space to hurt. She gives us space to grieve. She gives us space to ask hard questions. And I just, I want to give you permission to do that on your own. Like It's hard to be in conflict. It's hard to be in tough relationships. There is one relationship that I would give anything to have restored in my life. Anything. One specifically that I'm thinking of right now, and I don't know if that's what God has, but I knew that by Gabber sharing, that to me is redemption. Like Tony went and he did the hard work, and that wasn't anything that Gabber had any control over. She had no control over it. He chose to do the hard work. So how can we be those women? What does it look like for us to do the hard work? What does it look like for us to go to those dark places and ask those really hard questions? And why is it that I can't live in conflict? Because I'm afraid that if you leave me and I'm unwanted and I'm not chosen, that my value goes out the window and that I'm nothing. But when we are in right relationship with our Heavenly Father who loves us, who has chosen us, who says, sweet baby girl, you come here. I will hold you through this. I will comfort you through this. You're not alone. When we can go to him and then maybe have some resources down here as well, something beautiful happens. And that, my friends, is redemption. Because your dad goes to those hard, dark places of your heart, and he holds it, and he cherishes it, and he says, I got this. You're not by yourself. Let's do this together. I don't know if you guys, if there's any country music fans in the house. Any? Okay, okay, okay. So right now the one I can't seem to kick is that Sam hat, um, ha- the back of my hand one. Driving in the back roads, driving with my eyes. I can't sing it all, but it just keeps going on and on in my head. But there's one that I found this weekend, that I th- this last week, that I thought was so interesting as I'm getting ready to talk about tough relationships. And um, it's one that Kelly Clarkson wrote and it was on the finale of um, American Idol. And I'm sure everyone in the world knows all about that song. I just found it last week. (laughs) So if you haven't heard it, it's a song called um, Pieces, Piece by Piece. It's called Piece by Piece. And listen to the Idol version. The radio version is not that great. I don't think anyways. But um, Kelly shares about her dad walking out, and she talks about her husband, who has shown her piece by piece that a man can be good, that a father can stay, and piece by piece he's rebuilding her. And it's just this, I mean, it ruined me. Like, I was crying so hard, my friend. (laughs) I was up in Washington visiting one of my best friends from high school, and she comes in, she's like, are you okay? And I was like, "Woo, woo, woo!" like, just snotting, I'm slobbering and snotting all over. It was horrible. And in, in the song, she talks about how It starts out with her dad leaving and then it comes back to her husband piece by piece showing her what it can be. And then it goes to her being a mom and saying that my daughter will know her worth because unlike you, I'm going to put her first. Gets me. Because there's this pain in my heart of my dad not putting me first and not choosing me. And then there's this redemption, and there's this beauty of my Heavenly Father choosing me. And so it was interesting, because the first time I listened to the song, probably, I, and I'm not actually exaggerating, I've probably listened to it like 40 times, because I had a four-hour drive after I found it, and so I just put it on repeat, and just like just kept singing out, me and Kelly. Um, but what was crazy is the first time I was sobbing over the pain of this world and the brokenness of my situation. And then, as I was driving um, like down the Columbia River by the gorge, and it's all pretty, except when it's windy and then it's scary, but it's still pretty, anyways, <laughs> driving down there, and then, like this whole nother flood of tears came again, because I was like, "That's what my heavenly father does." Like piece by piece. He's showing me that a dad can be good and a dad can stay. And he's showing me my worth. He's showing me my worth over and over and over again. And so, ladies, when when we think about these tough relationships, when we think about conflict and how hard it is and how painful it is, it is important to have tools. It is so important to have tools in your belt. And I believe the best tool is this idea. I believe this is number one. Because when we are in right relationship with God, and we know who we are, and we know who he is, we can deal with the crud and the brokenness of this world a lot easier. doesn't mean it's going away. It doesn't mean we won't still have it. We will definitely still have it. We will always have it. Trials and tribulations of many kinds. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> this is my promise that I will hold on to. Now, this is the best tool because when I read this, I get to experience my dad's love for me. I get, to, I get to experience what it means to be chosen. I get to experience what it means for him to say, I love you, sweet girl, and it's not because of how many points you scored in that game. I will be with you and support you, whether you go to the college I want you to or not. That's what I get from this. And I don't think it would be fair to say that, again, because of that lie, well, if I have Jesus, I don't need counseling, or I don't need support, or I'm not going to go through anything hard. I think there are other resources. I think it's really important for us to acknowledge that we can't do this on our own. And sometimes that means having a trusted friend that you can process these things with. Sometimes that means going to peacemakers. That's what it's called, right, Ken? Peacemakers? Um, I went and did that class, and I, Karen was, Jared over here was actually my table leader, and it was awesome, and not just because she's great, but because of the tools that I learned, like, because this, I love that Sam Alliance offers that, like, we offer a class on peacemaking, that's awesome, assuming that we're all in conflict at some point, so even if you're not in the throes of conflict right now, it's still great, get those tools in your belt, like, it's a great way to do. It. I mean, obviously, there's books, and you know, there's all kinds of different ways to deal with with conflict, and um, there's mediators, and I mean, there's all kinds of different things. In the meantime, yes, let's do some of those things. Let's work on those things. But priority one has to be you and your, your dad. It has to be you and God. It has to be you and the Holy Spirit. That's where it starts, and then healing, and and then healing can come out from that. I think that. Um, Time. What time do we have to be done? 11:40. Okay, I got mm-hmm. 10 minutes. Okay, so I have a quick little illustration. Who? Can um, I borrow your scarf really quick? Thanks. Okay. And then can I borrow you? Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> so hold this end, right? So here's me and Gaby. We're friends, and we have this really really hard conflict, and I end up hitting her, right? <laughs> which is horrible. Like, I wouldn't, I wouldn't hit Gabra. I love her. She's way too sweet. She's literally as sweet as she comes across. Like, she's the real deal right here. Um, anyway, so, I, so actually she hits me. Let's do that. Okay. Gabra hits me. So then we're not friends anymore, and then I keep living my life. So, I, you know, I come out, and I'm years away from that experience. I'm, like, getting further and further and further away from it, I'm like, super far, right? And then Annie, come here, please, love you. And then I meet Annie, and she's as genuinely sweet as she comes across, too. Like, literally, these are probably the two sweetest, kindest people I know Not exaggerating. But Annie and I get into... Annie and I... Yeah, I know, right? Like, can I hit you? <laughs> Annie, Annie and I are having a conversation, and she raises her hand like this, and I immediately go back to this, and I respond from here. But really... When I was with Annie, she was just raising her hand to do this. Aww. Right? So this is just a visual that has really stuck with me and been so helpful for me because that's, that's what a trigger is. That's what a raw spot is. Mm-hmm. This relationship that happened, we're, you know, third grade, whatever. I get hit, and then, you know, all of a sudden I'm in college now and this sweet friend, and we're having a hard conversation, and she's coming at me just to say I love you and I see you. But I respond like, get out of here, no way, I'm done. But I'm living in this. I'm not living up there with Annie. Then what happens is Jesus comes in and fills the gap. Like, Jesus comes in, and he comes back to this place, and he tends to your heart and your soul, and he's right here with you. And so then I can go back to this relationship and be like, oh, my gosh, I'm crazy. I'm sorry. I love you so much. <laughs> <laughs> and do a full body hug. Uh-huh. Yeah. Seriously, that, this is a lot of sweetness up here. <laughs> I'm going to get nicer because I stood in between the both of them at the same time. <laughs> Did that make sense, though? Yes, yeah. So when I talk about, like, the trigger and the raw spot, that's what I mean is that. And we all have that somewhere. Mm-hmm. And that's one of the things that you guys got to do with Jesus. Um, I will push recognizing God's voice, and I will pr- push any of the listening um, seminar, uh, what is, is it called, listening? Listening, listening prayer, prayer nights. nights. There's one tomorrow night. Like, I, Because I think there is something so valuable about hearing our daddy's voice and taking, taking those broken places and those really hard life circumstances and being like, okay, Jesus, where were you? And maybe for some of you, uh, (laughs) I've stirred up a whole bunch of stuff, and I'm really sorry, Mm -hmm. and yet I'm not, because we have this amazing thing called the upper room, and if you need to go up there with your dad, go up there with your dad. Like, let him take care of your heart. Let him speak truth over you. Let him tell you how much he loves you. Let him show you where he was when that happened. I will tell you that the first time I did that, I was in Redding, California, at a, um, a healing conference that was put on by an Alliance Church down there, and I was trying to figure out, like, in my mind, my raw spot was always hearing my dad choose, like, and and so I just kind of I felt like I was supposed to have somebody pray for me and Sarah, hey. um, came she's. She's like a Barbara Fletcher kind of woman. Like she's amazing. Um, down and ready. And, and she comes over and she's praying with me. And, and she's like, okay, tell me, tell me what, what where, where do you go? Where do you go when you experience um, that like brokenness? And so I'm telling her about when my parents were having that conversation and <laughs> fight. And um, my sister, they were shouting so loud that it w- had woken up my sister. So I had gone and gotten her. And I was on the bed holding her crying, she's crying, I'm crying, and um, Sarah said, I want you to ask the Holy Spirit where Jesus is in that. What do you mean? She's like, actually, like a picture, like a video, literally, in your head. So go back to that moment, go back to that scenario, okay, mom and dad are out in the living room arguing, you and your sister are in your room, you're holding her, she's like, ask, ask Jesus where he was. Until I'm like, close my eyes. And then I just start sobbing. Because you know where Jesus was? He was on the bed. And he was holding me while I was holding my baby sister. He was right there. And it was like beautiful and heartbreaking all at the same time. But I was able to replace. That loneliness and that just, like, not being chosen and not being worthy and not being enough, I was able to replace that with this picture of my Heavenly Father right there with his arms around me, weeping with me. Like, literally, Scripture says in that same passage, like, as long as it depends on you, don't be, you know, be at peace with everyone, yada, yada. It also talks about mourning with those who mourn. It talks about rejoicing with those who rejoice. And that's the first time I got a picture of really truthfully what it means for Jesus himself to get in there and one without someone. Cause he knew. He knew what was ahead. And he was just there holding me. And so I would encourage you when it when it works for you, when um, you know, maybe it's after this or maybe it's later or whatever, but the upper room has become one of the most sacred places for me. Because I'm telling you, every time I go up there, I just I feel him. And it's It's just so sacred and so holy, and I just feel him, and I sense him. And whether it's the upper room or maybe it's a certain chair, maybe you have a bunch of little kids at home, and you're just trying to wipe their booties quick enough to get clean diapers on them. Mm -hmm. So maybe it's after they're in bed and you're exhausted and tired, and it's just a breath prayer as you're putting your head on the pillow and you're just saying, okay, Jesus, show me where you are. Show me where you are. 'Cause he he wants to be seen and he wants to be heard. And he's there in the conflict. He really is. He's there right there with you. And I just want to say in closing, you're not doing anything wrong. There's nothing wrong with you if you have conflict in your life. You're not broken, you're not messed up. You're still a beloved daughter who is seen and who is heard and who is chosen and we all have our stuff that we gotta work on. So being in right relationship with him, having a support system around us, and being self-aware, learning more about ourselves. I'm telling you right now, if there's one thing you take away from this, let it be to purchase the book called The Gift of Imperfection by Brene Brown. If you have not listened to Brene Brown, I am sorry, and this is free. You're welcome. <laughs> Brene Brown is a, a author and speaker who studies shame. Wow. And this book, *The Gift of Imperfection*, talks about. I mean, it, it was a game changer for me. The gift that book was a game changer for me. Realizing that my imperfection and my broken places are actually like <clears throat> redeemed. And she just did a great job of of breaking that down. So whatever resources, ask you this: like, where were you? What? Where were you? And then from there, just one day at a time, one day at a time. And again, with all the resources that we have, I mean, the the peacemakers and there's, I mean, we have so many resources here to help you. You're not alone. You're not alone. Um, let me look at my notes because I have two more minutes. (laughs) Right? Eleven forty. Yeah. Oh, I only have one more minute. Just kidding. Yeah, I got everything. Sweet. (laughs) I want to pray for you. I'm actually surprised that I got to everything. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for the women in this room. Thank you for the opportunity that we have to go to the tomb, to go to the dark place, so that we can see redemption, so that we can see new life. God, I pray new life over each and every one of these women in that one relationship or maybe more, but especially that one that is it just kind of triggered for them in this, in this seminar today. I pray new life over that relationship. I pray that new things would be springing up from this dead old ground and that that redemption would be you, Jesus. I pray that each woman would walk from this room knowing that they are loved, that they are seen, and that they are heard, and that they've done nothing wrong. To have have conflict in your life doesn't mean you're doing anything wrong. It means you're human. I pray that we would be able to embrace our humanity and lean into you as our dad who loves us, our dad who is with us and will never leave us and will never forsake us. In Jesus' name, amen.